Welcome to Deeper Dive. I'm your host, Jay Wall, and this is episode 30. And guess who I'm with today? As always, the world's best, greatest host of all. <laughs> I don't know. Who is that, Joe? Drum roll. Drum roll. You're, that, supposed Joe? To, you're supposed to come in. <laughs> you're too much. You there. missed the point. You missed I'm it. Not with you, Joe. You missed it. <laughs> People should know you by now. <laughs> All right, welcome, Don. Thank you very much. Hey, you're we'll, welcome. We'll, we'll work that in sometime next week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing that. <laughs> it's always a blessing. Sir. Thank yeah. you for that. Likewise. And, uh, we, we have our, uh, we have our, uh, <laughs> once again, we have our Pastor Gervon Marsh, a.k.a. Pastor Baritone. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Jerry Wall. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's a pleasure to have you on once again, man. Thank you again. <laughs> pleasure to be here. Pleasure All to right. be here. And as always to our uh, podcast listeners, we want to thank you. Uh, any questions, concerns, or comments, please let us know via WhatsApp, 954-388-8780. And Don, as we always do, to start off with a word of prayer. Yep. Father God, thank you once again for this beautiful day you've given us, Lord. We thank you each and every day, Lord, that we, we have breath in our bodies. We have hope. Lord, continue to bless us in a mighty way uh, throughout the day, even though the day is mostly gone. You still have your blessings that shine upon us. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for everything that makes it work for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Well, Don, before I start, I wanted to go ahead and just mention about um, Elaine uh, Stevenson's funeral. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was really felt, family felt, heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a lot of people that loved her. Yep plantation in general mm-hmm. and it was just wonderful to be a part of that to see to. that so i just wanted to put that out there mm-hmm. and go from there mm-hmm. and um before we start again and pastor girl i gotta have that jacket man i need that jacket bro. i knew that jacket was cool <laughs> i like that jacket man. but you know i think i've seen michael stevenson has a jacket similar. yeah but michael's a small nice. featured guy you know nothing against him michael knows you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very English plot. I used to have yes. that girl. Yes, that's what I love about it. I yeah. was like, yeah. those velvet. That's I'm what like, I'm talking yeah. about. Yes. yes. My dad. My dad used to wear those with the corduroys. Mm. The corduroy jacket. Mm-hmm. Boy, that stands mm-hmm. out. So you got good taste, bro. Oh, well, thank you, man. Thank my wife. Thank my wife. All right. <laughs> yes. So crisis and the people of God. That yes. was Sabbath. Did you come up with that because of COVID? Actually, yes. Um, I was studying the book of Genesis and that's one, one blessing that came out of um, COVID-19 for me, especially. Um, you know, typically I try to get up early, 5.30, they're about to have my personal devotion. But actually with COVID, I was able to extend that time because I'm working from home. My wife was working from home. Um, she's back in the office now, thanks to the governor. But um, um, yeah, she. <laughs> it, it it gave me a, a a time to really delve into the book of Genesis, and as I was studying it, I saw some themes. And I remember one day I'm studying, I see this famine that affected Abraham, this famine that affected Isaac, and I'm like, <gasps> and I I said, let me go back, let me go back, let me look, let me look. I'm like, wow, look at that. This specific issue. And a famine is a crisis consistently affected these people. 
Why? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And um, that was during COVID. And as I as I saw it, I'm like, look at that. You know, their lives were threatened. And how can I apply this to our day and our time? And yeah, COVID uh, inspired that to a great degree. Hmm. Um, you talked about different part people in the Bible that was, you know, with, with God. You know, you had Abraham, you went to Enoch, you went to Noah, you went to Isaac, you went to Jacob, Joseph, and even Abel. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that, that they did go through these crashes to get on the other end to be the abundance of blessings, specifically mm -hmm. them? <laughs> Interesting question. Interesting question. Um, you know, I, I believe that once we identify as God's people, mm -hmm. we're doing that in a world that is in rebellion against God. Mm -hmm. um, so the world is in rebellion against God. And as I pointed out in the sermon, God was always in need of someone to represent him. Mm -hmm. So the minute you take a stand for God, you're finding yourself in a crisis because you're in a world that is in rebellion against God. Mm -hmm. If you go along with the flow, then you're fine. You know, you, so to speak, you won't necessarily face a crisis, but look at Abel. The crisis he faced was he offered sacrifices that pleased God mm -hmm. and that caused his brother to hate him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, look at Joseph. He decided to stand for principle and for right. He literally said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against my God? And that placed him in a crisis. Mm -hmm. So the point is, once we decide to take a stand for God, we need to prepare ourselves for crisis. And Jesus actually says that. He says, broad is the way that leads um, to destruction, but many that go, many go there. The thing about the broad road, people don't really realize it's leading to destruction because it's broad and it's easy. But narrow is a road that leads to salvation and few who find it. That narrowness uh, speaks of crisis and speaks yeah. of challenges that the people of God will face. So the minute we identify with and for God, we ought to expect crisis. But the beauty about it is this. God has promised that once we remain on that straight and narrow, it leads to everlasting life. And I think for the people of God, we ought to remember that. That is why we don't subscribe to the name it and claim it gospel or the prosperity gospel, because in this world, which is in rebellion against God, we have to expect crisis, but mm -hmm. faithfulness to God promises that we will ultimately be victors. All right. So you say that we as Christians, why do we fear or get very fearful when we're in the middle of crisis? We <laughs> know that we uh, on this narrow road and we're going for God and we're trying to you know, serve God but when we get to the point where we're actually going when the rubber meets the road and why do we become so fearful that's a beautiful question let me use the the person of Jacob to answer that because a lot of time as God's people we bring on the crisis on ourselves the Amen. fact is, when you identify as God's people, crisis is inevitable. Mm -hmm. But then we bring on certain crises on ourselves. Mm -hmm. God had promised that Jacob, the younger, the, the older would serve the younger. So Esau would serve Jacob. Mm -hmm. But right. he and his mother tried to help out God. Mm -hmm. That caused estrangement. He never saw his mother again. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and he almost cost him his life because his brother said, I was going to kill you. Mm 
So mm-hmm. now when he's going back, he has all this fear. He knew he had to go back because God had said to him, he promised, if you take me back, and by all, all indications, he needed to go back. But a lot of what he faced in terms of Jacob's trouble was a direct result of his choices. Mm-hmm. So if we're honest, there are many times when we bring it on ourselves and we know that truth be told, you know, the fear we have is a lot of it is self-induced. A lot of it is self-induced. Look, for example, now at someone like Daniel. Daniel, you know, upright, chose the right. But in the face of crisis, he can say, you know what, throw me in the lion's den or the three Hebrew boys. We, O king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. The God we serve is able. So I think we have a spectrum And on that spectrum, you will have those who will stand for God. And those of us, yes, we may mess up and sometimes we fear. And, you know, the reality is, as human beings, there are times when our emotions will get the better of us. Because as I mentioned in the sermon, it's often easier for us to be logical to. Mm -hmm. A lot of Mm -hmm. times when we're logical, fear comes upon us because, you know, logically, we see no way out. But as we grow in our experience, like Abraham did, we will reach a point where we will believe God and it will be accounted for righteousness. So on the and that's why we, we, we believe that Christianity, the Bible says, is like the path of the just is like a shining light. It gets brighter and brighter. So the hope is that we're growing in our experience so that when we face crisis, uh, we will be able to meet it without fear mm-hmm. and we'll be careful not to create any unnecessary crises for ourselves because that will definitely cause us many a times mm-hmm. to fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So I, I kind of pick it back to on with the question I had, what kind of practical things you can do to stay faithful mm-hmm. and not to be discouraged? Mm-hmm. What practical yeah. things, you know? You know, um, where Christianity is concerned, I think there are three key components. One is prayer. The other is a study of God's word. And the other is sharing your faith. That helps you to grow. So study of God's word. We can't do anything without knowing what he requires of us. So if faith is necessary, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if we want to grow in our experience, we have to grow daily in the word. I kid you not. I don't know about anyone else, but I can promise you this. The days when I, I mess up and the days when problems just seem to come tumbling down on me sometimes the most are the days when I neglect to spend time with God. I don't know why. That's just my experience, you know? Yeah. So I've learned to be careful to spend time in the word prayer. One of the things that I've, I've, I've learned to do and I'm growing in this experience is for me, um, the Bible says pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean I'm kneeling all the time. But I think what Ellen White says is beautiful. She says, prayer is the breath of the soul. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think about breathing. I'm breathing right now, and it's, it's, it comes natural. Mm-hmm. So for us, prayer should be natural. Where in any life situation, our hearts just turn to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we talk to him. We depend on him. And, and, and that can give us the strength we need because, you know, you're like, God, I need you right now. This morning, something interesting happened. <laughs> I was looking for a brace. Um, Because I hurt my hand the other day and I'm like, I'm like, honey, have you seen my brace? And I just said a prayer. I'm like, Lord, show me where my brace is. As I said it, I found the brace. 
And she's like, man, God, you need to answer me like you answer my husband. <laughs> right, right. Oh, look at this. But I'm like, I've learned to just ask God for simple things like that. You know, I'm like, where's my brace? I can't, Lord, where's my brace? I kid you not, as I said it, I found it. And my wife is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need God to answer my prayers like that. But it's about growing in that experience and then sharing your faith. You see, it's like exercise. The more you do it, the more you become stronger and strengthened. And so as you share your faith, it helps you to grow in the faith experience and, and become stronger in God. Yeah. Belief versus understanding. Explain that. Belief versus <laughs> understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, Now, I don't know what it's like for you all when you're preparing a sermon, but you see when I'm preparing a sermon, it's like digging for gold. And you see when I found that, I was like, hallelujah. Because <laughs> I'm like, look at that. Look at that. Look at it. The text says Abraham believed God. That's Genesis 15, 6. And, and he accounted unto him for righteousness. All the brother did was believe in God. So God said, you're going to have a child. And he said, God, whatever you say, I believe. That's it. Mm -hmm. I believe. And God accounted it for him for righteousness. Abraham could have said, all right, God, let's, let's talk a moment here. Um, you do realize that um, when you made this promise to me, I was 75. God, <laughs> it's a few years down the road now, Lord. And um, Lord, we know, we know that logically mm -hmm. that does not happen. Right. Um, um, read Genesis 18. Sarah laughed the bible says and said am i supposed to have pleasure in my old age and and my husband how is that only going to even happen that is the epitome of the christian experience we are not called to believe in logics or to even understand i i think god likes to show off i don't know maybe i'm wrong because you remember God is, goes to the devil and says, have you considered my servant? God likes to show up. He doesn't like to take the easy route. So he wants you and I to know that if you're waiting to understand and for me to be logical, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. I want you to understand that the important thing is you need to believe in me. Believe in me, even when it seems illogical 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 and that's when he shows up and shows up so the idea is this therefore god wants us to have such a faith in him and a belief in him that when it seems totally impossible mm. we will know that god can do it no matter what it is mm. because if we're going to rely on understanding we will never get anything done ever because god is not limited by understanding God, if he were limited by understanding, then he would cease to be God. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You yeah. see what I'm saying? He would literally cease to be God. And then what would that be? Mm -hmm. It wouldn't make no sense. So we, we have to reach a point where we realize God does not specialize in logics. That's not God's way of doing things. No. Mm -mm. He does the impossible. That's what he does. He's supernatural. Yep. I know that. Um, I wanted to add on to the bit with uh, Abraham and Sarah, you know, they're barren. I mean, wife had a child, but Isaac and Rebecca, and then uh, what Jacob and Rachel, right? And Rachel, yeah, mm -hmm. both their wounds were close, shut up. But I, I, I wanted to finish how that transpired to be anything similar to Abraham and Sarah. 
Well, for Isaac and Rebecca, especially, yes, because look at it. So, and, and, and I love this conversation because we're going to really dive deeper right now. You okay. see, they, notice we started by saying that God always needs a people to represent him in a world that's in rebellion against him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Things had gotten so bad by the time of Abraham that in the entire world, Abraham was the only one yeah. that God could say, I can have you to be my representative. Right. right. Now, if they're not able to have children to procreate, to fulfill the ultimate promise which God made, which is in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that is speaking about the ultimate Messiah, Jesus coming and being a blessing, bringing salvation to the world. If they are not able to produce to bring about, bring about offspring that would eventually lead to the Messiah coming, then God would not have any representation in the world. Mm-hmm. And the devil would just have a field day and the world would ultimately be in rebellion against him. So when yeah. that happened to, and this is what caught my attention. And of course, we're not able to get in everything in a sermon. That's why sometimes you preach series. But look at it. Abram and Sarah, God worked there. But then another roadblock, block, Isaac and Rebecca. Okay. If they're not able to have a child, the promise of the Messiah will not be fulfilled. Amen. And then you have Jacob and Rachel. And don't, mm-hmm. don't, 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 don't forget this now. The reality is um, Jacob spent the first seven years working for Rachel. It wasn't yeah. for Leah. He wanted Rachel. And yeah. granted, everything changed. And Jesus came through the line of Judah, um, mm-hmm. who was not Rachel's child. But the fact is that these men formed the tribe, the 12 tribe of Israel. And the Bible makes it clear that there are gates in heaven that are named after them. So the, 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 the nation that would represent God is represented in the fact that if they weren't able to have, that is Jacob and Rachel weren't able to have that child, we wouldn't have the nation in its completeness. So all of this would affect the plan of salvation as God intended it to be. Mm-hmm. So they met these obstacles, Sarah and, 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 uh, and um, Abraham, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and, Le- and, and Rachel. They met these obstacles. And these were all obstacles that were trying to interfere with God's ultimate plan for the salvation of humanity. Yeah. And that's why, um, you know, it is so important when we're studying the word that we, dip, we dive deeper. Because as much as I wasn't able to bring that out in the sermon, that is something that has been weighing on my heart. And how do you now, therefore, follow up on in a part two or something of the sermon to bring that out? Because that's the real issue there. Hmm. If they were not able to have children, Hmm. the promise of the Messiah would not be fulfilled and Hmm. salvation would not be able to come to mankind as God intended it to be. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Wow. Um, question. I don't know. <laughs> I just like this story of the donkey. I I I got to give two thumbs up <laughs> to the donkey, man. This donkey was not going to sit there and fail. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Yeah, yeah. And and that is a beautiful illustration of us using obstacles as stepping stones. Mm-hmm. You know, because how could it be that these people enter a famine? And you come out of the famine better than you went in. How could it be? Only God. (laughs) Only. Only. And and the very thing that should have destroyed them 
became a stepping stone. The text says in Genesis 26, verse 12 onward, that the man became prosperous and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That is amazing. So the very thing that should have destroyed them, God used it as a stepping stone. And yeah, if a donkey can realize that, then yeah, well, what about us? You know, (laughs) we have to realize that life's obstacles ought not to drag us down. God can and will use it to be a stepping stone. And we have to be willing to, you know, follow his lead, listen to his counsel and his direction. And we'll be amazed how we will use life's obstacles to be a stepping stone for us. Amen. 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 So let's break it down to practicality of every day we go to church or every day, every day we're worshiping God. How do we take this situation of being in a crisis um, and think that at the end of it, that we can be prosperous? Is that not a dangerous thing to think? Actually, no. And here's why. And which is why I'm really looking forward to part two of this sermon. I'm going to, God is going to inspire me, help me, because let's look at it this way. God's people, by virtue of the fact of being his people in a world that is in rebellion against him, ultimately will face crisis. But he's going to use that crisis as a stepping stone for us to come out victorious. That's the plan of salvation, because the devil will stop at nothing to destroy us. But everything he's throwing away, God ultimately will use it for uh, as a stepping stone. And it will become the ultimate victory we're going to have. And this is important, which is why we really don't preach a prosperity gospel. Because um, John the Baptist had his head cut off. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Isaiah was was cut in two. Mm -hmm. And the list goes on and on of people for God who stood for him. And they not everybody's going to come out of a lion's den or Mm -hmm. a burning fiery furnace. But Hebrews 11 makes it clear that some of them died, not even received the promise, but they look for a city who had foundation, whose builder makers got the ultimate victory is coming when finally God puts an end to the reign of Satan in this world Mm -hmm. and all that he has caused us in terms of crises. He's going to put an end to that and we're going to become more victorious than ever before. In that sense, everything is going to become a stepping stone for us because Mm -hmm. It will be worth it after all. After we've gone through all of this, mm-hmm. heaven is going to be worth it. Heaven is going to be more than worth it right. after we've gone through all of this. So preaching that is not dangerous. It's biblical. It's true mm-hmm. that whatever happens where crisis is concerned, if we remain faithful to God, and that is believe even though we can't understand, mm-hmm. God ultimately is going to work it out for good. Abraham died not seeing the promise fulfilled as he desired. But he looked beyond that. He looked to the ultimate prize. So it is biblical, I I believe. And I think that's what God wants us to understand, that at the end of everything, the crises of this world are going to uh, fade into eternity. And we're going to enjoy the bliss of eternity because he has promised that he's going to use all of this I think Hebrew Romans puts it this way. God, Romans 8, 28, God works everything for our good. Mm-hmm. You know, God works everything for our good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the reason I asked that is because in your sermon, you broke down about the famines. And then afterwards, you broke down about how some were a hundredfold and they prospered even more, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. When you think about it that way, 
when we go through a crisis, we can think, not just thinking, yes, the ultimate victory is to see Jesus coming. I see what you're saying. And also be, uh, yeah, we're going through this crisis now because we know that Jesus is going to, they're going to multiply everything a hundredfold. So let's just do this because we know we're going to get more in the end. Yeah, exactly. Long exactly. term of Jesus is coming soon. And that's where we really going to be victorious because you did point out all the different things that each one started to gain after mm. they'd gone through the famine. So that's why I was asking you. Is and that isn't that amazing that for each one of them, yes. the text literally says yes. that they gained this. So yes. Abraham had yes. silver, gold, and livestock increase. Yes. Isaac, yes. Um, uh, he also had uh, possessions increase. The same with Jacob. Yes. Note, however, note, however, that they, I gave an illustration of the woman at the end who decided to be faithful to God with her yeah, tithe and offering, that, right? Yeah. That requires a level of faith in God that is, is beyond human. And, 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 and sometimes we wonder why God doesn't reward us or anything like that. It's because some of us lack the faith that requires that reward. You see, if you're going to have, for example, people always talk about, Lord, give me the faith of Job. Well, if you want the faith of Job, be prepared to get the problems that Job got. Because the True. faith was proportionate to the problems he got. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, in a similar way, if we want to see God work for us in a certain way, mm -hmm. are we willing to have the faith that it takes? Mm -hmm. Because with that faith comes a certain level of crises. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that's what needs to be understood. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that even Abraham, God didn't test Abraham with the death of Isaac, or uh, with, well, not the death of Isaac, but with him um, offering Isaac until he had reached a certain level in his faith experience with God. If you read the text, the Bible literally said, after these things, after what things? After yeah. the things with him failing with Agar, after the things about him lying about Sarah being one. So after he had literally grown in his faith experience, God said, all right, let's test him now. So he had reached a certain level. So if we want to see God work in a certain way and we reap the benefits now, we have to understand that that will take a certain level of faith. Um, because, and such faith is the, the crisis is going to be proportionate to the faith. The Bible supports that. It says God is not going to put more on us than we, we can bear. Yeah. 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 But I'm going to ask you something. Uh, I'm going, I'm going through a crisis now. Just, hypothetically speaking i mean mm -hmm. and you know that god is going to be there somewhere down the road you just don't know where because he acts in his own due time right but my question is is that that the level of my crisis the bigger the reward mm. <laughs> the one, Joe. I like that. the level of my crisis the bigger the reward you know um in some respects i believe the bible supports that in some respects, I believe the Bible supports it. Jesus says, and 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 this is a sermon I preach based on, um, I think it's Luke chapter 17, after Jesus came down from the mount, there's a father who came to Jesus and the disciples afterward, they couldn't cast out the demon and Jesus asked, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus is basically saying, said to them, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed. So the from Jesus' perspective, at least in that text, it's not the, 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 the quantity of your faith it's the quality of your faith right. you know it's not whether or not you yeah the quality is what's important he says 
if you have faith, period, it's not where, if you're the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, remove. Mm -hmm. So imagine what a mustard seed is in comparison to a mountain. Mm -hmm. So if a mustard seed's faith can cause a mountain to be removed, what about a mountain-sized faith? What is it going to cause to be removed? And what oh would be- Oh my God, I don't even know what to expect with that. You Exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I think in some respects, the Bible does support that. Um, it doesn't mean that it will come exactly when we want it again or anything like that. Because yeah. for example, like for Job, um, he, the Bible says that he had way more after that crisis than before, mm. you know? Um, but all of that was because of the level of his faith and the crisis, which was proportionate to it. Okay. What happens if you have this level of faith and you go through this crisis and then you die? Sorry, say that again, Don. I missed you. What happens if you go through this, you have that level of faith, large amount mm -hmm. of faith, and you're going through an amazing crisis, and then you lose your life? Uh, well, that, that has happened in the Bible. But that doesn't mean that you have lost life eternal, and that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're very cautious. You hear me say it again. We don't do that name it and claim it in the prosperity yeah. gospel. Because, listen... Um, some of the greatest prophets suffered some ignominious deaths. Yeah. Um, but they're listed in the hall of, of faith mm -hmm. as people who will get that ultimate reward that God has in store for them. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's the, 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 the beauty about God. John the Baptist is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. And at one point in time, this man was so brave you could tell people that listen what you're doing is wrong and i don't care if you're a king or papa it's wrong mm -hmm. but when he was imprisoned he literally was actually losing hold of what was important mm -hmm. but then we believe his faith actually regained a hold on god but he, he lost his head yeah. yeah he lost his head man um and we have to be prepared and the three boys even though they were delivered they understood that faith means in god means that if we die we die <laughs> yeah that's true faith yeah. in god doesn't always mean that god is going to deliver just how we want when we want or whatever the case is sometimes we may die now do i want to die of course not i'd, I'd love for god to just show up and show out and <laughs> that would become a bubble just too many but hey <laughs> yeah. that's so true that's true. So on our day-to-day -day walk with God, how can we practically increase our faith so that when we do go through a crisis, we are constantly focused on Jesus' return as opposed to when we get out of this, we can be prosperous? Mm, that's a beautiful question. That's a beautiful question. That's now, one of the things... <laughs> kind of beautiful. I want one. All right, your next question is gonna be beautiful, man. Your okay. next is gonna be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, one of the things I'm careful to do when I'm preaching is not to make promises that I I, I can't keep, or even to suggest that the Bible is making promises I can't keep. Right. So what I did is not a is not a promise that this is how it's going to be for you all the time. You're going to go through crisis. But what I'm saying is that God we serve can 
and is able to do this. He can take you out of a crisis and make you better than you were before. And that's a that's Bible. That's a beautiful promise of scripture. And we need to hold on to that. We have to hold on to that. But then that's why we pivoted in the sermon and said, how did they, why would God do that? Why would God do that? God did that because they faced a bigger crisis and overcame it. That's why. So, you know, when God realizes that, you know, he can trust us with this, mm-hmm. a famine is nothing. If he could trust Abraham to believe him that, listen, even if you're 100, you're going to have a child. Then what is a famine for God to, you know, take him through or, or, or his family through? What, what is that? It's nothing. It's nothing. So, again, I want to make it clear. The sermon is not promising that this is how it ultimately is going to happen. Right. It's not. But God can, and he's able to do that. Mm-hmm. And again, the Hebrew boys exemplify that. They said, the God we serve is able, but if not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the critical piece. We have to have that faith where we understand that even if God does not ultimately work things here on earth for our good, we're still not going to lose our faith and our hope in him because there's something always something bigger and better. Would I hope that he will work it out for you as needs be? Of course I do. But if he doesn't, we understand that by and by we will understand it better. I hope I answered the question because I'm trying to be careful to make sure that we, we, we help people understand the sermon is not making a promise that, listen, when you go through crisis, this is exactly how it's going to be. No, but what the Bible is showing us, that God did it for his people then, and he can and he will do it again. And he's done it many times over, many, many times over. Um, but if he doesn't do it that way, we still have to have that level of faith in him that we know that by and by it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Do you think that the crisis is also a way of God refining us and getting us ready for what he wants us to do next? Exactly. Excellent question. Excellent question. Yeah, okay. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I think it is so. I think it is so. With Jacob, the Bible... And it's, 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 it's interesting how God refines us, you know, because when he wrestled with the angel that night, he left with a limp. Right. So physically he was limping, mm-hmm. but spiritually the man was standing tall because he wrestled with God and prevailed mm-hmm. and his faith grew in God. So crisis is always a refining element for God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, however, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you may disagree with me, but you see for those who have had a certain level of faith in God and their relationship is at a certain level with God, crisis may not be for that because those three Hebrew boys, that crisis really wasn't supposed to so much refining them as it was displaying the level of faith they had in God. Right. You, right. you see what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that was... They had been that grown and be growing in their experience. Daniel is referred to as the one who's greatly beloved, you know. So when he goes into a den, it's not so much refining them as it's about God displaying the awesome power that exists when his people 
have reached that level of refinement and faith in God. But mm. it is definitely a process of refinement for God's people. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to catch up to you, Don. I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, I got one last question. Now, Enoch, you mentioned. Mm. I mean, when you think of Enoch, you think about almost almost like a perfect relationship. Mm. I mean, that he was taken away. Yep. But you did say he had crisis. Yep. Yep. So what is it because of the people that disrespected God themselves? That's the reason. And then he's having this relationship. I'm, I'm thinking he would be the less, the least of the one that would have the uh, crisis. I mean, right, he's taking right, up right. Look at his reward. He's taking up mm -hmm. right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, notice the context in which he lived. Um, the context was of such that Noah preached for 120 years and nobody listened to him. That's right. They're like, yeah. you know, so it's clear if he's walking with God so much in a world that is in rebellion of, of, uh, against God, there's no way that people are just going to let him be or they're going to just say, oh, uh, don't pay him any mind. There's something about a godly life. A godly life literally... Um, provokes the wrath and the anger of the enemy yeah. when the enemy sees a godly life he's not saying okay let me leave that one alone no 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 he doubles his efforts right. he's gonna double his efforts a godly life and the best example of that is jesus jesus did nothing wrong but they put him on a cross sure what did jesus do wrong that godly life literally aggravated all those who were not for him and they tried to kill him i'm listen Who's going to slap me in my face, spit in my face, put a bag over my head and then slap me and tell me, oh, prophesy which one of us did it. <laughs> <laughs> Only Jesus. <laughs> Only Jesus. Wow. But why? Because his life of purity aggravated. It literally brought out the worst in them. So I believe in a similar way. And by the way, by the way, by the way, this is not even me. Let me show you what the Bible says. I got to read this for you. Listen to this. Listen to this. All right. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six says it this way. Or 11 rather. I think verse six there about. Hear what the Bible says. Hebrews 11 verse six. Um, the Bible says in verse five, but by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found in other words, they went searching for him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why? Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. His life was a living testimony that he pleased God. And he pleased God in a world where open rebellion against God. Mm -hmm. God had to take the brother out of that man. So his life pleased God. His life demonstrated that he was all about God. And any life that demonstrated that he's all about God it suggests that you know what people will not always will not like you and it will literally um stimulate the the base part of their their nature and they will literally fight against you and that's why verse six says but without faith it is impossible to please god for he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him mm -hmm. and this text is directly connected with enoch it's saying that the enoch diligently seek sought god it's saying that he believed god and he's saying that he pleased God and he had to have faith to do that in a world where people didn't care about God. Yeah. Because they didn't care about God, his life, I'm sure, aggravated many of them. Mm. 
Okay, well, thanks for explaining that. And like you said, that was a beautiful question part, I don't know, three. That was a beautiful question. Okay. No, come on, right. bro, you know. I'm on the board. I'm on the board. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Don, I, I've got what I needed. I think so. I think Not so. the jacket. I don't have the jacket yet, but I got everything else I need. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to just emphasize this, though, guys. I want to emphasize this. Um, as we preach, we try to be as practical as possible. Yeah. I don't know who might be listening to the podcast, but we're all going to reach a point in our experience where we have to either believe God or go with our understanding. And I mentioned three things specifically in the sermon, but there are many other ways that this can play out in our lives. I mentioned, for example, the Sabbath. Mm. The majority yeah, of Christendom worships on Sunday. And if you don't want to work on Sabbath, especially in this economy, you may not have a job. Are we going to? Be logical and say, you know what? Let me just do this. And when I can, I'll go to church. Or are we going to stand for God? That's belief versus understanding. What yeah. about our faithfulness and stewardship? Are we going to make sure that all our bills are taken care of? If anything else is left, then we, we take care of God? No. Mm -hmm. That's, again, belief versus understanding. What about young people who your friends want you to participate in illicit activities or anything like that? When the Bible makes it clear that we must trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. Again, that's belief versus understanding. Mm -hmm. That is the reality we are going to deal with as we grow in our experience with God. We will all reach the point where we'll have to struggle with belief. Now, or, or not struggle, but meet this crisis of belief versus understanding. And for whoever is listening, we want you to know that by God's grace, we can do it. We can believe even when we don't understand. And I promise you, when you see God work, you're going to just marvel at how he does it. Because again, he doesn't specialize in logics. He's a God of the impossible. He's a God of the impossible. Amen for that. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Don, anything else? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, every time we have your... Uh, Pastor Marsh, mm -hmm. it's just wonderful to hear you because, awesome. you know, logically speaking, you speak about understanding in all your sermons, I see. Mm -hmm. So I want to put it that way mm -hmm. because it's there. It's, I mean, it's there. So mm -hmm. I say, so I thank you for just continuing to bring the word to us in plantation. Awesome. So I'm hoping the best of families and um, you continue to continue doing what you do because God has a much bigger purpose for you and your family, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And thank you, guys. I think this is amazing. Um, I, I want to encourage you and endorse what you're doing. Um, one of the things that I'm passionate about is biblical literacy. Mm. And for my um, studies, what came out of it, I think I've mentioned in one of the podcasts, but what you're doing is critical because as we go over, you can't say everything in a sermon. Yeah. Yeah. But when we're able to dive deeper, we're able to show people practically how to apply God's word to their lives. And from the biblical understanding, um, um, application, uh, a biblical literacy rather, is not only knowing the Bible, but literally applying it. If you're applying it, if you're knowing it, but you don't apply it, you don't know it. Yeah. To know it is to apply it. So we want people to apply it. And I believe your your, pod, your podcast, this podcast is an excellent way to dive deeper and to show people 
how to apply. So thank you for what you're doing. Amazing. We really appreciate that, Pastor. We really do. And if you don't mind, just leave us out in a word of prayer. Sure. Father, we thank you for the time we've spent together. Just diving deeper. We want your word to uh, be everything to us. Jeremiah says that your words were found and I did eat them and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. May this be true for all our listeners and teach us how to not only understand, but apply these things to our lives, knowing full well that we're called to believe you even when we don't understand. Um, thank you again for Don and for Jay Wall. Please bless them and this ministry and may continue to bless the lives of many others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen Pastor. Thank you once again. Take it away, Don. All right, birthdays, birthdays. Okay, we have, and Pastor Layton? Oh, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. We were at his church uh, two Sabbaths ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Birthday on the 26th. Alyssa Porcina, Mozart's daughter, had her birthday yesterday, actually. Is that, is that the youngest? Mm-hmm. That's the oldest. Oldest, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Etza um, Dolce, he has his oh. birthday on the 31st. Okay. And um, I don't know this person, Ariana Morel. I don't know if you know that. Don't, doesn't ring a bell. No, yeah. It's true. And also, I'm forgetting Alex Bosina. She has her birthday today, actually. So oh, we have okay. Back birthdays. Yeah. I've got to go first and then the younger one next. So Mozart. Okay. Mozart's done with all the birthdays for this month. All righty. Well, blessings to each and every one of them. If you can, we give them a shout out. Mm-hmm. And once again, Don, thank you very much for being the world's greatest co-host. And you will always be take that title with all your beautiful questions i'm just you know <laughs> just adding on to that you know i, I get i get that's a good one Joe. that's, that's interesting you, know? you got a beautiful so, question nah, i'm just saying you know you know so it's it's what you call podcast envy <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you, Don. You know I love it. You, hey, I like you, Jerry Wall. You're awesome, man. You're awesome. We make it. We make it work. We make it work. But uh, I want to thank all the podcast listeners for taking time out each and every week to listen to us. To, like I said, to get a deeper perspective on the sermon. Um, that's for us. So continue to um, just pray for the podcast. Everything that makes it work for the podcast. Any questions, any comments you may have, as always, give it to us at via WhatsApp, 954-388-8780. Well done. That's it. That's it.